This is the Truth of the Matter Is podcast, episode number six. I am Jonathan and I'm flying solo today. My host, Daniel, couldn't make it. So the show must go on, right? That's showbiz. Today is Sunday, Father's Day. Yep, Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers all around the world. They definitely deserve the love and appreciation. Let's also take a minute to mention that there are single moms out there who have to play both roles, being a mother and a father for their kids. That's not an easy job. So let's also acknowledge the single parents as well. Let's take about 10 seconds of silence for those who have lost their fathers due to natural causes or some tragic or health situation. We want people to know that even though their father is no longer here, no longer participating in this thing called life, he lives in the mind, the memories, and the heart of his family, especially his loved ones. So please, don't ever forget that. So let's have a moment of silence. The reason I thought it was necessary to give single moms acknowledgement on Father's Day is because they do a phenomenal job, the best that they can, and that should be applauded. Now, when I was in college, I remembered some statistics that I read a while ago, and I want to share them today because I think it's necessary. Now, the name of the article is 36 Shocking Statistics on Fatherless Homes. There are a total of 36 of these, and, you know, for me, I just want to read 10 off, okay? The first one that I've selected, 85% of youth who are currently in prison grew up in fatherless homes says the Texas Department of Correction. Number two, 39% of students in the United States from the first grade to their senior year of high school do not have a father at home. Children without a father are four times more likely to be living in poverty than children with a father. Comes from the National Public Radio. Number three, 24.7 million children in the United States live in a home where their biological father is not present. That equates to one in every three children in the United States not having access to their father. Comes from the National Public Radio. Number four, 57% of the fatherless homes in the United States involve African-American black households. Hispanic households have a 31% fatherless rate while Caucasian white households have a 20% fatherless rate. Comes from the National Public Radio. Number five, children who live in a single-parent home are more than two times more likely to commit suicide than children in a two-parent home. Number six, only 68% of children will spend their entire childhood with an intact family. Number seven, 75% of rapists are motivated by displaced anger that is associated with feeling of abandonment that involves their father. Number eight, 90% of the youth in the United States who decide to run away from home or become homeless for any reason originally come from a fatherless home, U.S. Department of Justice. Number nine, Children who live in a single parent or step family home report less schoolwork, monitoring less social supervisor and less educational expectations than children who come from two parent homes. American Sociological Review. And finally, number 10. About 40 percent of children in the United States are born to mothers who are not married. Over 60% of these children were born to their mothers who were under the age of 30. Because today is a Father's Day special and it's Father's Day holiday, I decided not to continue with the First John series. 
I want to actually go ahead and put that on the back burner. And instead, the dialogue will come much more of what the theme is today. So I think it's time to remix it, freestyle it for the people. So everyone listen, take a look at who you are today. And I'm speaking to the young men out there, the older men out there, the fathers, the young boys. Take a look at who you are today. All men examine who you are today. It is important that we acknowledge that we have some of our traits from our fathers. For me, he's obviously always been there for me. I've recognized that he isn't perfect. He's made mistakes in his past. But he's always been here for me. He's been a constant presence in my life. And I want to thank God because some can't say that about their father. In fact, I just want to say I'm truly sorry for those who haven't had the opportunity to have their fathers around as much as I have. Some kids have experienced the abandonment of their fathers and their fathers have abandoned their responsibilities. And that's why we have terms like deadbeat dads because they are absent and don't play a role in their children's life. I want to let people know that you still have a heavenly father who understands your situation and family who plays an important role in your life. There's a reason you have good friends. There's a reason for everything. God is aware and sometimes uses what seems deficient to develop you and build you up. So today I want to pray before we begin because we're going to go through some scripture. Usually my brother asks us questions. We dig deep, but I'm going to dig deep personally and share some information. So everyone close your eyes or focus on something. Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to thank you for today. We're going to thank you for waking up each and every one. Because we know that today is a special day for fathers. Lord, we ask that you open up everyone's eyes to see, their ears to hear, their hearts to receive, and their minds to understand what it is that you want to show us today. Lord, I pray that I provide a word in season for everyone listening. And Lord, I know that you will guide me and direct me and give me the strength to share what it is that's within my heart. Lord, I just couldn't wait for this opportunity to do this because for you being a father and and knowing who my father is, it's a difficult job. And everyone's not perfect. Everyone makes mistakes. But Lord, I just want to thank you because it's because of you. There are men out there that have the strength to continue to provide, continue to be there for people, not just their immediate family, but also for those who lack fathers. It is important that we have fathers because without them, some of us are led astray. Some of us don't have that person in our life to keep us, to guide us, to direct us. Lord, I just want to thank you for all those fathers out there. And I also want to thank you for those who are striving to become fathers. I think that's important as well. So, Lord, as we move forward, I ask that you open up their eyes so that they can see what it is that you want them to know. Use me as an instrument for righteousness to provide the insight needed so that people can understand the importance of fathers and the importance of being a father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, in the book of 1 John, chapter 5, verse 4 through 5, it says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Let me repeat that. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. The Greek word most often translated overcome to the, it translates to the word Nike, which means to carry off the victory. The verb implies a battle, right? The Bible teaches Christianity to recognize that the world is a battleground, not a playground. God does not leave us defenseless. 
in the book of Ephesians, it says the arm of the Lord is always available to all believers. To go in every situation is to stand firm. No matter what the circumstances might be, you are more than enough to make something of yourself. So I'm using this verse here to say that no matter what the circumstance is for those who don't have fathers, you still have the ability to make something of yourself. And as Christians, it's that word that we always constantly read and remind us each and every day that things are possible and that we are more than overcoming. So I want people to understand that not having a father in your life doesn't mean that it's the end all. It just means that you're going to be great. And you're going to be great with the foundation that was put in place to help get you to where you are. So. I just want to reflect a little bit. I want to shift gears and think about some of the memories of my father. You know, I think about how supportive he was of my dreams to play football. I remember as a kid how he brought me a helmet and pads. And how he would go out and he would draw plays in the dirt. And I would go against my co-host, Daniel, all the time. Of course, I kicked his behind and I was always victorious. But it's just something about him participating in our competition that made it all, made everything really well. I liked it when he would let me ride on his back, even though I was heavy. How he brought us ices and ice cream at the park. You know, I always thought he was cool and still do. I look at him as my hero, for sure. I think about how he's taken us to the car shows. How he's brought us roasted peanuts in the city. You know, those were always pretty good. And I'm pretty sure they still are really good. Just haven't had some in a while. You know, those are the good times that he's provided for me. I remember when he would take us to get haircuts. You know, I enjoyed all those moments and remember them all too clear. Something about my dad is he's always been straightforward, bold, right to the point. Never really cared for the long stories. Anytime we would do something and we would try to explain stuff to him, he would be like, listen, listen, I don't got time for that. Just tell me what the crux is. Tell me what the main point is. And to me, <laughs> I always thought that was funny. Uh, my dad has a, always had a huge vocabulary. When he would read things out loud, he had this way about taking his pointing finger and guiding his finger with the words and lining up with what he said on the what he had to say when he was reading on the pages i know my dad has an army background so i remember when he would say i want this room spick and span he told us make sure the beds are hospital corner had us always standing straight in a straight line while his feet always were in duck form now, don't get it twisted. Even though he had his feet in duck form, he could run, right? He could really take off. It was always funny where he would say garbage, and we'd be like, Daddy, don't you mean garbage? And he would say, no, it's garbage. It's garbage. I always thought that was hilarious. He always had these phrases when he would say, did you get the job done? Very good, very good. Now, one thing that he has exposed me to that I always remember and will always think about to this day, and I have great appreciation for it, was he introduced me to jazz. Now, jazz, to some people, is a lost art. Some people don't understand it. They call it old-time music. But as a kid, I didn't think so, right? 
when he introduced jazz to me, he talked about how he used to play the flute for hours. And he just loved what the flute did for him. So me, you know, want to be just like my dad. I started playing clarinet. And before it was clarinet, I just loved the saxophone. I just remember thinking back then how I would prepare the instruments with reeds and how it was definitely a sight to remember as if it was yesterday. He put me on to artists like Grover Washington Jr. who played saxophone, Chick Corea, who was a pianist, Miles Davis, I don't think I have to say that much, even those who aren't fans of jazz know who he is. Kristen McBride, Hubert Laws, Ronnie Laws. Hubert Laws was his favorite because he played the flute. Kevin Tony. Now, Kevin Tony and a lot of other artists like Marion Meadows, Najee, they came later. They're more contemporary jazz. But, you know, he showed me that, and I later on showed them artists like Andre Ward, Paul Taylor. These are all contemporary jazz artists now, right? I can go on days remembering all those songs and CDs he would play before dinner, after dinner, in the car. Jazz was just something that resonated with me for such a long time that now it's become a part of me. He also introduced me to something called mouth music which is a form of music where a person is musically trained and they use their body as the instrument. Very interesting. You know, I thought it was cool as I got older, but when I was young, you know, me and my brothers would laugh all the time because, you know, they would hit themselves and make funny noises. And when I was young, I didn't understand it. So, when I look back and I think about who they were, Bobby McFerrin. Now everybody knows the song Be Happy. I'm pretty sure everybody recognizes that. But he has a lot of other great work. Al Jarreau, George Benson are just a few that have done that. But George Benson, you know, he also played the guitar as well. You know, there was this song <laughs> that Bobby McFerrin used to do. And it's called Bumblebee. We go like, like <laughs> I'm just trying to do my impression, but I'm thinking of another song he used to do. Hmm. He did Freedom of Voice. That's a good song. He did. He's done a lot of good songs, but I'm trying to think of some other songs that you guys might want to check out that he's did that he's done. I think it's called Thinking About Your Body. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Oh baby, thinking about your face. Boom, 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 boom. Oh baby, thinking about your body. Thinking about your face. So, you know, some of those songs are pretty cool. And I appreciate what he used to do, right? And what I noticed that he used to do is, as I got over and I matured, I understood that he was trying to instill and expose me to art. And jazz is art. It's a form of art. It's something different. And it's all about diversity. And I appreciate the fact that he did that for me. And now, you know, I try my best to play some of that stuff on my own. Now, when it came to me sharing it with others, my age, they would laugh. And they would say, oh, that's elevated music. They have no idea, right? It's true art. And it's all about exposure. It's all about being open and being diverse, not limited. Okay, enough of that. <laughs> I just want to share some of that stuff. I thought it was cool. When I reflected on it, it was pretty cool. So, now, what I'm going to say right now, some deep stuff. And I think sometimes 
what we have to do as people is we have to reflect and realize what so many of these things really mean and indicate. So obviously, we are young men, right? And I'm speaking for myself. I'm 27, but you know, I still consider myself to be young, right? And at some point, marriage and being a father is in the future, I hope, right? So I want to share two points. Now, these two points are suggestive, but they come from a place of observation. You know, I watched as a kid, making note of what seemed to work and what doesn't. And these two suggestions aren't new, right? The issue is, is how you look at these two suggestions. So everybody, you know, put your seatbelt on and get prepared because we're going to go deep. This message can go to current fathers, mothers who have sons and want to give them insight from a male's perspective, single men who are at a different stage in their life, figuring things out. It's really for everyone, but today it's for men looking to be better men. It's for men who don't have fathers and want to make sure their child has a better experience than they did. No matter how you slice it, I hope everyone listens up. Now, obviously, this is rooted in biblical principle. However, it works just as well for an unbeliever as well. We are going to dig deep, so I hope everyone's prepared. So, the number one suggestion that I want to make is to grow in maturity. One of the things about growing in maturity is communication, right? The use of your words. To say what's wrong and what you need. So often when it comes to communication, there isn't enough of that that goes around in order to avoid conflict and issues with people. I think without a doubt, that's a lost art. Communication, right? Ever since text, me text messaging has become a big thing, rather than getting on the phone and having a dialogue with somebody, texting has been the number one supplement for that and to me i think that when you're texting you're not being able to communicate things clearly and precisely to the person that's on the other end so i think one of the things about growing in maturity is understanding the difference between the two now if you can text and you can understand each other very well by all means all i'm suggesting is part of communication is also having the ability to extend oneself out to make sure that we're on the same page. Something else that I think about in maturity, in the maturity lane, is that we have to lose our pride and arrogance and leave it at the door. Again, lose the pride and arrogance and leave it at the door. So what do I mean, right? Let's look up two definitions of pride because, you know, I want to make sure that we are going in the right direction and we're defining things. So pride is a feeling of being better than others. Let me say it again. It's a feeling of being better than others. Sometimes when you're prideful, you're unteachable. And that's very problematic as an individual. Here's the next definition for pride. Pride is a sense of one's own property, dignity, or valued self-respect. Pride is a sense of one's own proper dignity or value. Self-respect. Pretty good definition. I don't see nothing wrong with that. Now, this is where pride gets in the way. When you need assistance and help, but you don't want to ask and you're too proud, you're too proud to ask for it, that's pride. Here's a personal story. When I was in college, one of the things I struggled with, and I still struggle with now, I'm still improving, is grammar and punctuation. And... I was really good at expressing myself, but when it came to putting that stuff on paper, I struggled. I struggled by just communicating with the proper punctuation. 
And it wasn't until I realized that you can have something amazing to say, but if it's not understood in the English language, it has no value. You see, I can express what it is that I want to in a presentation with friends, but it becomes a struggle when people are reading it. And I've learned that because when I read more books, I realized you need commas in between to break two ideas together. You need periods because run on sentences have no place in writing, right? You need things that can create a better understanding of what you want to say so that someone can articulate what you want to say. And punctuation and grammar is quality and is very important. So what do I do? I went and got help. I went and I assisted someone in helping me, teaching me. One of the deficiencies that I had in middle school is it was a lost art for me when it came to learning grammar and punctuation. And obviously it's, it's had its ugly head and played a role now in higher learning education. And I know I'm not the only one, but it was me not having pride, but it's me being humbled enough to go seek help. Only way to improve things is to go help, go get help. What you shouldn't do is act like, you know, nothing's there. To me, that's something you shouldn't do. So. For future reference for people out there, don't be prideful. Get the help. Because getting the help will help you further along. And that's something that I learned. Do not, I repeat, do not subscribe to the saying that my pride won't let me do it. That's just being ignorant. Be better than that. Learn from your mistakes. Make things easy on yourself. Right? In the book of James, chapter 4, verse 6, it says, God opposes the proud and shows favor to the humble and oppressed. Again, God opposes the proud and shows favor to the humbled and oppressed. Now, there's one other scripture that I'm thinking about when it comes to putting a band-aid on something and pretending that it's not there. That's also in the scripture. But you know what? We'll come back to that. Here's my next point that I want to make. Maturity is knowing when to speak and knowing when to be quiet in order to de-escalate the situation. Let me say that again. Maturity is knowing when to speak and knowing when to be quiet in order to de-escalate the situation. When you keep your mouth closed, Guess what happens? Silence can never be misquoted. When you keep your mouth closed, silence can never be misquoted. So having a last say may feel good, because trust me, I've been in arguments. It does feel good. You're like, no, you shut up. No, you shut up. Oh, da 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 da. You should be quiet. You sure about that? And you can go on for days because. A person wants to have the final say. Come on. Come on. That's a chore. We have to become, we have to be better than that. So having the last say may feel good, but guess what? It's not mature. It's childless. Here's something that I want to say, right? Book of James, chapter 3, verse 5 through 8, it says, The tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire. And it is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed. And have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So there you have it, folks. Your tongue might be the smallest part in the body, 
but it can get you in huge problems. It can get you in trouble with the things that come out of your mouth. So opening that mouth and saying things at the wrong time can get you locked up, can get you killed, right? So maturity is knowing when to be quiet and not saying anything. Maturity also means not to go tit for tat. Book of Romans, chapter 12. I'm going to read 17 through 21. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. Well, the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it is, depends on you. Live life at peace with everyone. Hear that part? Live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends. Believe room for God's wrath, for it is written. It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Say what? <laughs> it says, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Really? In doing this, you will heat burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but be overcome evil with good. But overcome evil with good. It takes maturity to walk away from something. To take the high road is the right thing to do. I believe it was Michelle Obama who said, We go high. And let them go low. It was also Chance the Rapper who wrote a song called We Go High. Pretty good song. Not gonna lie. Pretty good song. So. Maturity is something that's hard. It takes practice. It's not easy. But in the end. It can be extremely helpful. And it's something that I think. That we need to do better at. You know, sometimes what I would do at night after a week is I would reflect on some of the things that I've done. And I will realize I can do better here and I can do better there. And I think that that's something that we should practice and something we should encourage other people to do. So that's the first thing. You know, these things are simple. These things you've heard before. So I think without a question, this is stuff that we should do. All right. Now. Let's get ready for the next suggestion and my last suggestion. Now, this goes pretty deep. So I hope everyone's prepared. Seek godly wisdom, not worldly wisdom. Godly wisdom, not worldly wisdom. The reason why I say godly wisdom and not worldly wisdom is because there's a difference. Let me first give you a working definition that I created. Yes, I created this definition. Absolutely. This is what I've read. Wisdom. Shown to have the ability to discern decisively and yet consistently having the courage with strength to decide what is good over over what is evil. Let me repeat my definition. Doing a lot of repeating today. I ain't gonna lie, I missed my brother. But the show must go on. That show biz. Let's go. Shown to have the ability to discern decisively and yet consistently having the courage with strength to decide what is good over what is evil. Uh, now let's break down that definition. If you've shown something, you've done it before. It's possible because you've displayed it. Having the ability to discern is recognizing something. Knowing the difference. In other words, when you are decisive, you know the ins and outs of something. And therefore, there's a level of maturity that you must display in making that choice. So think about it. Being wise is exercising your maturity in what you might already have experience history tells you something so decisively 
you're not trying to live that nonsensical reality again. Right? History tells you something so decisively that you are not trying to live that nonsensical reality out again. To be consistent is also a sign of maturity. It's sort of like an algorithm. You know what works. Having the strength and yet being courageous is challenging in its own right because so many give into peer pressure. And you need to know that choice that you made might leave you lonely and having the strength to make choices independently of helping others. That are potentially low lives can be challenging. <laughs> Let me say that again, right? Peer pressure is one of the signs of lacking courage. And if you want to be courageous, you have to understand that being courageous can leave you lonely. And having the strength to make choices independently of others who are low lives can be challenging. Now, sometimes you don't recognize what they are at that moment in that time. But over time, when you look at it from the outside and you look at the big picture, you realize, you know what? I should have never been taking advice from that person. In fact, why, why am I even listening to that person, right? So, it all depends on the maturity level that you're in, right? That takes time to sort that out, to figure it out. But when you do, man, is it golden. Finding, finally, right? The last thing I want to say in regards to that. Choosing what is good over what is evil has a lot to do with what is right. Doing what is right is what it has a lot to do. Now, doing what is right, in my opinion, should always trump what is not. Right? Doing what is right should always trump what is not. And that's just a moral stance. That's just a moral stance. The reason I say godly wisdom is what you should seek after is I'm going to take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and I'm going to take you through verse 25 to 8 where it says, For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were noble of birth. But God chose the foolish things in the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not nullified to nullify the things that are. Powerful verse there. And this is what I mean when I think about that. Look in, think about the story between David and Goliath. Goliath, rrr, big strong guy, right? David, and he's a little man with this little shank slot, hit three rocks. Is it a coincidence that he was victorious? You know, sometimes I believe society pushes people to get a college degree, and somehow people believe that those who have degrees are much more smarter than those who don't. In fact, that's true. Right? Oh, look at him. He has no college degree. He's working at McDonald's. He's delivering. Haha, <laughs> right? They probably look at me like that. Right? Even though I have a college degree, I triple majored in philosophy, history, and political science. But that's neither here or there. But the point is, people look down on you because you don't have a college degree. But God has shown us that the gifts, talents, and abilities can make room for you as well so think about kurt franklin for an example has a learning disability never went to college but his gift allowed him to create music and that music gave him an opportunity to be known by most people in circles and he's done well for himself 
Think about some worldly examples. Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, all left college before they got their, their, their diplomas. Rachel Ray, Ralph Lauren, Jay-Z, Diddy, all of them successful. No college degrees. Now, I'm not here promoting this idea that you need, that you shouldn't get a college degree or you should get a college degree. All I'm saying is that there are people out there that start their own business and they're really successful. They're not in college. They're not in debt from college. But sometimes society's standards make you feel like if you don't do something, you're a failure. That's not true. You have gifts, talents, and abilities that are some that other people don't have. Sometimes you got to find what it is and you have to let it work for you. The Bible says that a gift will make room for you. So use your gift. Find out what it is. Search it. You know, some people will say in college, you're, you're not just there to party and have a good time. You're there to find out what you're good at. You're, you're there to find out what you're good at. And sometimes what you're good at can, find, can build its own way to, to actually contribute to society in some way or some fashion. And that's what we are. We're here to develop, grow, mature, flourish, and whatever it is that makes us successful. And we're here to be a helping hand to those who need it. So, something for food for thought. Now, here's another reason why I say that you should seek out godly wisdom and not worldly wisdom. Book of Proverbs, chapter 14, verse 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man. But its end is the way of death. Let me say it again. There is a way that seems right to a man. But its end is the way to death. So for most people. They think that the way that they're going seems right in their eye. Right. They are a law for themselves. They feel like the direction that they're going to is right. It's the best way to go. And sometimes you're wrong. Right. Sometimes it's not the best way. Right. It seems the best way to you. But sometimes it takes somebody to come out and tell you, hey, buddy, it's not the best way. Colossians 2.8 says, see, so it is that no one takes you captive to hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human traditions and the element of spiritual forces of this world. Powerful scripture. What is it saying? It's saying that some of the philosophicals, philosophical concepts, some of the ideologies that are out there, be very careful not to embrace them all. Pierre's good, right? It looks like that shiny loot toy across the hall. Looks nice. Looks like that fresh apple on the market. When you bite into it, eh, not so good. So keep in mind that not everything that you look at looks great, right? Here's a perfect example. When I got my car, I thought it was essential to have a mechanic come with me. Why? Because there are a lot of people out there that sell cars. I'm talking about dealerships. That wash the car, polish it. Looks nice out there from the outside. And you don't pop the hood. You don't know the history, right? I guess there's a need for car facts and other things of that nature. But the point is, things can feel attractive, can seem attractive. But if you don't do your homework, it can, you can easily be deceived. Just like anyone out there looking to get a used car, right? Which is I understand why they got leasing now to avoid all that together. Like if it's no good, yeah, take it back get another one. But the point is, it can appear like it's good. It can appear like it's great, and that's what happened to me. Man, there was a red cherry Audi sitting there on the lot, and I was saying to myself, "Ooh, I like that." But when I popped the hood and I realized there was a lot of things wrong with it, and that's not something they're gonna tell you. So keep that in mind, right? Moving along. Now, the last thing I want to say, and then we're going to end. 
Boo-hoo, right? Kind of bad. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20. It says, Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. One of the things I talked about is a deposit is something that God left, which is the Holy Spirit, to ensure you that the things that he said will come to pass, right? He's not the author of confusion. He's not a liar. Therefore, we have the Holy Spirit as a deposit to ensure us of what we can expect in the future. So Timothy was being told by Paul, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irrelevant babbling and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. Right? Avoid that stuff. Because all of it is not good. Explore it. Check out some things. Read into it. But remember, not all of it is good. Some is fabricated. Some is falsehood. It's rooted in falsehood. So, this is the last thing I have to say about wisdom. Being wise is having a plan. That's right. Being wise. Is having a plan. Book of Proverbs chapter 15 verse 22 says, Without counsel, purposes are disappointed. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. It means get in sight before you make hasty choices. Sometimes when you're eager, you just want something so bad, you jump right into it. That's not wise. It's not wise. Have an understanding of what you're getting yourself into before you sign up. Those who have lived longer than you. Because, you know, wisdom is something that's obtained with experience. And guess what? If you're young, you're youthful, you don't have it. You don't have that experience. So a lot of the things you might do is because of your zealousness. Might want to eliminate some of that. It's for your own good. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Again, that goes back to what I meant, what I said earlier. Everything seems right in your own eyes. Oh, I get it. I understand. I don't need help. I don't need assistance. And what's amazing is you can flip this around. And this means the same thing for older men, too. Technology has grown. It's changed. It's evolved. If you don't know, ask help. Ask for help. Do the right thing. Why? Because you need it. You need it. So. That's all I have for you today. Two simple things. Develop your maturity and seek godly wisdom. Develop your maturity and seek godly wisdom. I think without question, those are necessary. Now, last thing I want to say that I think is extremely important, and it just came to me. And that is, you can't heal a wound by saying it's not there. So when I was talking about communication, it's important that in order for you to heal from a problem, make it abundantly clear. This is bothering me. Can we talk about this? Can we discuss this? It's okay to express yourselves. Sometimes people look at you and say, oh, look at you getting all emotional. Guess what? If you don't address it, it's going to continue to bother you. And it's better that you get it situated than hold on to that luggage that you have that's holding you down. Sometimes it's important that you express what you need to express so that you can move forward. And again, that's a sign of maturity. So I hope that what I've said today has been helpful to someone out there. It's predominantly something I wanted to share with men, but it can be for anybody. It can be for anyone. Also for women as well.
So let's end this with a prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for giving me the strength and the mentality and the creativity to think of what I've said today. Lord, I know that any, anywhere there is truth, you are present. So I pray for each and everyone out there that they seek truth because the truth should set them free. Lord, I ask that you monitor and protect every father out there. Keep them safe. I hope they have a great day today. It's a day that should be celebrated and appreciated. A lot of times people say that fathers don't get the credit that they deserve. And in fact, it can be true in some circle. But Lord, I know without a doubt, you get all the glory, the honor, and the praise. And I know that what you did for us, we can never repay. So, Lord, I pray that we all think about what is good, what is true, what is noble, what is admirable, what is excellent, what is praiseworthy as we go about today celebrating Father. I pray that throughout the week you shield us, that you protect us. I pray throughout the week that we move positively and reflect upon the choices that we make. I pray that we grow in godly wisdom and maturity. Things that aren't easy. But in time, I hope that through the situation and circumstances that we go through independently, that we recognize that things have to change. Change is the constant. And without a doubt, I think that is something that we must continue to strive for. Being better than we were yesterday. And making you proud. And also making the people around us proud as well. Lord, we say these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And for all of you out there, be safe. And have a good work week. Till next time.